So we're carrying on our series in seeing Jesus in the Old Testament. And uh, I'm going to take uh, a passage about a prostitute. And uh, just the background, um, Moses has just recently died. And now Joshua is leading the Israelites. They're currently camping on the other side, on the east side of the Jordan River. And they're kind of poised, ready to cross over the river again, probably in the same manner that they did 40 years previous, where the riverbed was made dry and they could walk through. Now, uh, it's been a long 40 years since that happened, and they're longing for this promised land to enter into it to find their place of rest. So what happens is Joshua sends two spies into the land of Jericho to do a stakeout and find out a little bit about the town, the city. Joshua is to lead God's army into the rescue plan of bringing people into their final rest. They're reminded in Joshua 1.13 of this verse, the Lord your God will give you rest and by giving you, this, by giving you this land. So I'll say that again. The Lord your God will give you rest by giving you this land. However, this picture is just a foreshadow of what the eternal rest is about. It's a foreshadow of the eternal rest that can only come through Jesus and they only come being led by Jesus. Hebrews uh, 4 8 said, For if Joshua had given them rest, God would not have spoken of another day later on. Hebrews is basically saying here that uh, if Joshua had led them to a rest which was complete and sufficient, there was no need for God to mention another rest. Israel entering Canaan relied on them trusting in the promises of God. However, this was just a temporary entry into God's rest. It's not the end story. It's not their eternal rest. We need to enter into and trust in God's promises. But the only way is actually through resting in the bosom of Jesus. That is where we find our eternal rest. We believe in the promise of a man. They were believing in the promise of a land. We believe in the promised man. So incidentally, in Hebrew, Joshua and Jesus are exactly the same word. It's Yeshua, which means to rescue or to deliver. The Lord saves. And I love the fact that we've been singing this morning all these songs about God rescuing us. He's our rescuer. And that's what I'm going to be sharing about this morning. And it just ties together with the whole thing with freedom in Christ. He rescues us into a place of freedom. And we're going to be looking at Rahab's story, her journey into freedom in Christ. So I'm going to read the Joshua 2. It should come up behind. I'll read this chapter. And if you can just listen to this uh, narrative. And Joshua, the son of Nun, sent two, my, uh, two men secretly from Shittim as spies, saying, Go view the land, especially Jericho. And they went and came into the house of a prostitute 
whose name was Rahab, and lodged there. And it was told to the king of Jericho, Behold, men of Israel have come here tonight to search out the land. Then the king of Jericho sent to Rahab, saying, Bring out the men who have come to you, who entered your house, for they have come to search out all the land. But the woman had taken them two men and hidden them. And she said, True, the men came to me, but I did not know where they were from. And when the gate was about to be closed at dark, the men went out. I do not know where they are, the men went. Pursue them quickly, for you will overtake them. But she had brought them up to the roof and hid them with the stalks of flax that she had laid in order on the roof. So the men pursued after them on the way to the Jordan as far as the fords. And the gate was shut as soon as the pures had gone out. The pures had gone out. Before the men lay down, she came up to them on the roof and said to the men, I know that the Lord has given you the land and that the fear of you has fallen upon us and that all the inhabitants of the land melt away before you. For we have heard how the Lord dried up the water of the Red Sea before you when you came out of Egypt and what you did to the two kings of the Amorites who were beyond the Jordan, to Hisihon and Og, whom you devoted to destruction. And as soon as we heard it, our hearts melted, and there was no spirit left in any man because of you. For the Lord your God, he is God in the heavens and above on, on the earth beneath. Now then, please swear to me by the Lord that as I've dealt with you kindly, as I've dealt kindly with you, you also will deal kindly with my father's house. And give me a sure sign that you will save alive my father and my mother, my brothers and sisters, and all who belong to them, and deliver our lives from death. And the men said to her, Our, our life for your, yours, even to death. If you do not tell this business of ours, when the Lord gives us the land, we will deal with you kindly and faithfully, and faithfully with you. Then let down, then she let them down by a rope through the window, for her house was built into the city wall, so that she lived in the wall. And she said to them, Go into the hills, or the pursuers will encounter you, and hide there three days until the pursuers have returned. Then afterwards you may go on your way. The men said to her, we will be guiltless with respect to this oath of yours that you have made us swear. Behold, when we come into the land, you shall tie this scarlet cord in the window through which you let us down, and you shall gather into your house your father and mother, your brothers and all your father's household. Then if anyone goes out of the doors of your house into the street, his blood shall be on his own head, and we shall be guiltless. But if a hand is laid on anyone who is within your house, his blood shall be on our head. But if you tell this business of ours, then we shall be guiltless with respect to your oath that you have made us swear. And she said, according to your words, so be it. Then she sent them away and they departed and she tied the scarlet cord in the window. They departed and went into the hills and remained there three days until the pursuers returned and the pursuers searched all along the way and found nothing. Then the two men returned. They came down from the hills and passed over the, and came to Joshua, the son of Nun. And they told him all that had happened to them. 
And they said to Joshua, Truly the Lord has given all the land into our hands, and also all the inhabitants of the land melt away because of us. So thank you for your patience. I'll read through that whole chapter. But it's important that uh, we get the whole picture. Because I think there's some really helpful things that we can draw out of this and what we can understand and what actions we can take and follow in Rahab's footsteps in finding freedom in Christ. So I, w- I want you to consider when we look at this how this relates to you personally. What steps, what action, what decisions do you need to make in order to find greater freedom and experience greater freedom in Christ? I'll list some things. Some will resonate with you, others may not. So firstly, we read in uh, verse 1, they went and came into the house, which means she opened the door to them. I know it seems really basic, but she opened the door to these two spies. This may appear obvious, but I think there's something actually really basic and fundamental to learn here. We need to open the door. We need to open the door to God. We need to open the door to the people of God in order for us to receive freedom in Christ. Now, she may not have trusted these people. She may not have known everything about these people. She may not have known what opening a door would have entailed and what it may have led to. But she did know something, and she put trust in them and in God. You may not trust Christians. You may not even trust God. I tell you, open the door. Just open the door and allow God in. Allow people in who want to come in and serve and help you. I don't want you to... So Rahab could have hidden away in shame. She was a prostitute. Don't hide away in shame or fear or say, what will my friends or family think? Don't be an emotionally closed book. I want us all to go beyond the superficial relationship in this church. I want us all to get close to one another in order that we can really deeply minister and bring freedom to one another. Let's get close. Don't just attend church. Join a family where people know you. Open the door. So that's the first thing. She opened the door. Secondly, she did not accept that she was beyond saving. She was in a desperate place. If you you can read about the Canaanites, basically she was a prostitute caught up in some very sinful living. She lived in the city of Jericho, which was also known as the Moon City because the people there worshipped the moon. There's all sorts of things going on around her. There were child sacrifices. There was um, incestuous relationships were rife. If you really want to see how depraved this people were, you can read Leviticus 18, and it will tell you some of the things that went on in this city, which this woman probably got caught up in. She knew she was far from being a likely candidate for being set free. She was entrenched in sin and rebellion. She had nothing to offer, and she could only rely on and trust in the help and mercy of God. I tell you, we're in exactly the same position. The glorious truth is, it does not matter who you are, where you've been, or what you've done. It doesn't matter. This is so freeing. No one is beyond the love and mercy and forgiveness of God. (laughs) 
So secondly, she did not accept that she was beyond saving. Thirdly, she feared God above man. Rahab had no reason not just to hand these spies over to the king and be done with it. And yet something compelled her. She, by hiding these spies, and if she was caught, I would imagine she would have had certain execution for hiding spies, staking out the land that were going to overthrow the kingdom. However, she was compelled to act in a genuine fear of the king, of the commander, of the all-powerful God. She recounts his mighty acts of drying up the Red Sea and acknowledges that it was he who brought victory over the Amorites. Verse 11 says, Our hearts melted and there was no spirit left in any man because of you. For the Lord your God, he is God in the heavens above and the earth beneath. We need to be like Rahab. Place our fear in the one who has the power to determine our eternal destiny. Who has the authority to bring freedom. So my question is, does your fear of man prevent you from living a free life? Are you more concerned with what your friends, family, neighbours, colleagues might say or do if you stand up for what you believe, for what is right and pleasing to God? There's freedom in saying no. There's freedom in saying no to premarital sex. There's freedom in that. Because you are honouring God, the covenant-keeping God who designed for sex to be in a covenant relationship. There's freedom in that. So, fear of man just immobilises many people. It traps us. It immobilizes us from speaking up and taking action when we should. Proverbs 29, 25, it's got a really helpful verse here. The fear of man lays a snare, but whoever trusts in the Lord is safe. Fear of man traps. Fear of God, trusting in God, releases and brings freedom. The person we fear most is the person we seek approval from the most. And so we obey the one we fear. We can confidently say, the Lord is my helper. I will not fear. What can man do to me? That's Hebrews 13.6. Recently, my wife was in a situation and she felt very fearful, very fearful. And I think she even said, she just felt really threatened in a situation. She said, what happens if I die? And I glibly said, if that's all that can happen, that's all right. If that's all they can do to you, that's okay. Now, she said to me this morning, actually, by me saying that, it changed her attitude completely. And I was just talking about how, you know, if she's dying for the sake of the gospel, that's great gain. That's wonderful. And there's a verse that says in Matthew 10, 28, do not fear those who kill the body, but cannot kill the soul. 
Rather, fear him who can destroy both soul and body in hell. It's a sobering thought, but we need to know where our true fear is placed. Now, just as a little aside, Rahab did in this story, she lied, didn't she? And I just want to kind of talk about this a little bit, because the Bible doesn't, it just records it. It just records the, 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 what happened in this story. It doesn't condone it. It doesn't um, commend it or excuse it. And we shouldn't either. I don't want you to start asking the question, is there some circumstances where it's okay to lie? That's the wrong question to ask. We need to remember that um, Rahab was living by a very set of different set of standards and moral guidelines. She can't be held to account by our standards as Christians. And I think actually from this we can learn something um, about, you know, because the two spies didn't judge her for her lifestyle, didn't judge her for lying. There's no comment on that at all. And we mustn't judge those who are living by a different framework by different standards that aren't yet coming under the kind of framework of what we believe as Christians. So we mustn't judge, we mustn't throw the first stone, we mustn't condemn those that come into our church and maybe don't yet know how to behave in the right sense, you know what I mean. So, um, fourthly, she took action. If you want freedom, you need to take action. You can't be just complacent and just... Uh, let things carry on as they are. She cried for help and mercy. Verse 13, deliver our lives from death. She knew that her city and her life was waiting pending execution. She knew that they were all under this big death sentence. They were sitting in death row. If you know you are captive, hemmed in in the city wall like she was, not living in liberty and not living in the freedom that God has planned for you, you need to take action. Don't stand still. Allow things to just happen and remain the same. Take control of the situation. Cry out for mercy. What action do you need to take? Maybe you need to cry out to someone. Maybe you need to cry out to God for help and for mercy, like Rahab. Maybe the action you need to take is to commit to this 10-week course that we're just promoting. Maybe that's the action you need to take that I'm going to commit to that every week for 10 weeks to know freedom in Christ. Five, she saw the bigger picture. She had to give up her way of life, her home, her friends, her, her livelihood. And she had to think long term. She had to have a bigger perspective, a bigger viewpoint. She had to make personal sacrifice in the light of what she gained. Sorry, she, she, there was personal sacrifice, but in the light of what she gained, there was no comparison. In chapter 6.25, it says, she and her family were saved and lived in Israel to this day. She was set free from the walls, and she was living within the very heart of the people of God, the Israelites. Her destiny was secure. Six, I've got a little uh, illustration. We've got a little bit of theatre going on this morning. Bear with me one moment as I just walk over here.
frustration. She took the only escape route. If Rahab was to be rescued and freed, she had to follow the spy's instructions to the letter. If you read it, it says here in verse 18, you shall tie this scarlet cord in the window through which you let us down. Then gather your family inside the house. Verse 19, then if anyone goes out of the doors of your house into the street, his blood shall be on his head. They were not to go out of the front door. The escape route was the scarlet rope hanging from the window. Hopefully you can see this is a vivid image of blood coming from heaven, from Jesus. This is our lifeblood. This is our lifeline that we need to turn to. This is the only escape route for freedom. Perhaps you can remember the similarities of the red blood splashed on the doorways in Egypt when the angel of death passed over. So the houses within the families in the, within those houses, they were safe. Both these escape plans, this one splashing blood on the doors and this scarlet rope, this scarlet cord, are very specific. We need to understand that there's only one way to freedom and it's through the blood of Jesus. For centuries, uh, people have tried all sorts of different doors to freedom and um, I'm sure you can think of some sexual liberty, mind-freeing drugs, excessive alcohol, different ways to escape and find freedom. But our only lifeline is the scarlet rope from heaven, the blood-stained cross of our Saviour. This is the promised man. This is our eternal rest. This is where we find our eternal rest. Now, according to uh, Phil Moore, who can read Greek and Hebrew, uh, in this particular uh, passage, it says, he says this. In the Hebrew text of this chapter, the word that is used for the scarlet cord that Rahab hangs from her window in verse 18 and 21 is tikva. In the 32 occurrences of that word elsewhere in the Old Testament, it never means rope. It only ever means hope. Surely this prophetically points to the rescue plan of Jesus' blood spilled for saving all sinners across the world. Now, when we talk about freedom in Christ, I, I want to kind of just open up a little bit about, we talk sometimes of bringing us into a wide open space and in Psalm 18, it describes how he brought me into a spacious place. And I just want to kind of bring a bit of clarity to that because this shouldn't be interpreted that it's a relaxed and kind of liberal and anything goes space. We need to know that uh, 
It's for freedom. Christ has set us free. Christ has brought the freedom. And in Galatians 5, 1, it says, For freedom Christ has set us free. Stand firm, therefore, and do not submit again to a yoke of slavery. Once you've brought into that place of freedom, you still need to stand firm. And there's still opportunity to get bound up. Your salvation is secure. But we can still get entrapped by different things that entangle us, different sins, consequences of sin around us, maybe consequences of other people's sin around us that can confine us. So we need to continually, daily, walk in the freedom that Christ has given us. In 2 Corinthians 5.14 it says, we are constrained only by the love of Christ. So there is a freedom. But I like this verse because it talks about being constrained by the love of Christ. So there's freedom, but we're still within the confining embrace and correction and discipline and love of God, of love of Christ. And there's freedom in that. It's not restrictive. So when I kind of prepare these talks, I, I, I always want to ask, what, how do I want people to respond? And um, this morning I've entitled a talk, um, what is your, uh, what did I entitle it? Rahab's journey to freedom in Christ. But I want you to kind of put your name into that title. What's your journey to freedom in Christ? What do you need to do to experience greater freedom in Christ? There may be lessons that you can learn from Rahab, but I want you to identify specific actions you can take. So you may be here and you just need to do that first action of opening the door to allow God in. Maybe you have been a closed book. Maybe you just need to open the door and speak to someone. You need to allow either the people of God, Christians, a friend, to come in. And you need to say, I'm trapped in this. Maybe it's just you before God and just saying, Lord, come into my mess, my turmoil, my pain, my disappointment. Release me from my sin, whatever it may be. Maybe you're here and you need to just stop saying, I'm beyond being helped. Things will never change. I'm too bad, I'm too sinful. And start trusting in the mercy and love and power of God. Maybe there's some here that just need to make a sacrifice, like Rahab had to give up something. Maybe you need to give up something. Maybe you need to move away from someone in order to enjoy freedom. Maybe you need to stop looking for alternative escape routes and see the scarlet rope given for you. Stop going to the wrong place for freedom.